everybody. Welcome to the Mainland Podcast, the January 2017 uh, Happy New Year edition of the podcast. We are uh, doing our first podcast of 2017. Our Let's see, we've got one more to do after this, and then we'll be in the season. So, uh, yeah, this off season is, is flying right by, sort of, kind of, maybe, a little bit. Um, but uh, you are uh, you're definitely getting your money's worth tonight out of the Mainland Podcast, because A, it's free, and B, uh, tonight we have a very special guest, uh, head coach Jason Kreiss from Orlando City with us. Uh, this is episode number 73. I'm Michael Citro, the Mainland uh, managing editor and founder, and joining me, one of our intrepid writers, David Rowe. Dave, how are you this evening? Michael, I am excellent. Happy New Year to you, sir. Yeah, and right back at you. I think, uh, did you have a great New Year? I kind of did, except for, you know, my college football team got put on full blast, but other than that, I was pretty good. Well, see, my college football team actually won, and so I celebrated on the 30th when they took down Michigan, which you got to be happy about because I know you don't like Michigan. I do not uh, like Michigan. That is absolutely yeah. correct. Yes. So, um. so that was good, but that was my <laughs> that was my night to go out and do stuff, and then uh, I figure all the crazies are out the next night, so I stayed at home. Cool. Yeah. Well, I, I enjoyed a six pack of uh, of my own making from Total Wine, where I went and just picked out six different beers, and uh, after the game, I watched. Uh, this uh, Beatles documentary that I got on Blu-ray for Christmas, and uh, that was cool. And then I just cranked some tunes. Um, I was actually home alone because of the. I was home to watch the game, and my my uh, wife took our daughter and went to um, see her dad. And uh, I was uh, just kind of kind of bachelor in it uh, on New Year's, so that was good. it was fun. That's awesome. <laughs> see, now I, I was fortunate that I actually had both of my sons who were older. They're 20 and 16. They actually both came and hung out with me, so that was kind of neat. That is cool. All right, we should probably talk a little bit about Orlando City. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, so uh, a couple of signings uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, Will Johnson, two-time MLS champion Will Johnson, with uh, both the Portland Timbers and Real Salt Lake. And within just an amazing save by Stefan Fry of being a three-time MLS champion, uh, yep. has left Toronto FC as a free agent and come signed a two-year deal plus a one-year club option uh, with Orlando City. And uh, he is a midfielder who is he's primarily a defensive midfielder, but he also has some offensive skill and is a very good uh, conduit between the back line and the attacking force. And I think that uh, a lot of people are downplaying how good of a move this could be for Orlando City. You know, and... I agree with you. And thinking about how that that goes, you know, of course, we all know one of the biggest uh, deficiencies on the team was the back line. And so I think having somebody who a midfielder is more defensively minded and providing that conduit, but also providing that um, that outlet for them and a little bit of support might be for a back line that's going to have to find their identity. That's that's a good that's a good thing for them to to have so that, okay. Like I said, they're going to have to they're going to have to learn to gel together, and if they got somebody else that's staying back a little bit, that I think that's going to help them. Yeah, and and a lot of people realize that this team gave up a lot of goals the last two years, but what I think is lost in the discussion is that it's not just the back line's fault. A lot of it has to do with the you know interconnectivity of the back line to the scoring players, and that. You know, a player like Johnson can certainly help out there. And now, uh, you know, it's not that Orlando City didn't have talent in that position. I mean, uh, Christian Aguida is a, a very talented young player. 
but you know there's there are holes in his game that still need to be developed. I think uh, Servando Carrasco has been a serviceable uh, defensive midfielder. Um, certainly, he's a he's a great guy to have as a as a backup if people are hurt. Um, potential, he's sort of a borderline starter in MLS. And and then of course. Um, Antonio Nocherino, who had a very slow start to his Orlando City career, but man, did he come on late in the season. It was arguably one of the team's best players down the stretch. Uh, I think that a guy like Will Johnson is is another piece to what you know we could do to help the back line do its job. And, you know, in turn, uh, you know, take a clearance and turn the clearance into a scoring chance. Uh, you know, take a, a blocked shot or a or a tackle and turn that around quickly and get that ball up the field to guys like Kaka, Kyle Laren, Kevin Molino, uh, Matias Perez Garcia. So uh, I think a good signing, and I think that um, it will be an underrated signing uh, this season. Another signing that the team made, and this was very recent, is uh, a guy by the name of PC. Yeah, calling him PC. <laughs> um, just signed by the club. He's a left back, can play some midfield. Uh, but he uh, is a guy who I think um, can be very helpful. He was playing with last year in the NASL with uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies and before that the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. In fact, his goal knocked Orlando City out of the U.S. Open Cup last year, and he was certainly one of the best players on the pitch that night. Um, got, got forward, made a really great shot to beat Earl Edwards, uh, for the winning goal in the, in the last minute of extra time, heartbreaking. It was the first shot that the team had gotten off in about 90 minutes of game time. <laughs> it, was, it was too bad because uh, uh, that it, he that he actually got that thing tucked right inside the right post. But man, it was it was a great effort from Earl Edwards to try to keep it out. He couldn't do it. It was a, just a great shot. Uh, PC was a, a very good player all night. And uh, other than him, I think uh, Restrepo, their goalkeeper, was the other guy who really stood out to you know, to me with Fort Lauderdale, but here's a guy who, you know, you went from Breck Shea, that thing didn't work. You know, they just, you know, Jason Christ decided, no, Breck Shea is not playing left back for me. Puts Luke right. Bowden in. Luke Bowden obviously is, uh, is on his way out. He, his, his uh, option was not uh, picked up for this year and we'll get more into him a little bit later. Um, but here is, is a guy who, uh, you know, you've got Donnie Toya now and you've got, yep. You've got PC. So to me, this is a major upgrade at a position of need. Well, not only is it a major, I mean, between with Toya, you already had a major upgrade. Uh, now my look at it is we're adding depth. And exactly. Whether, yeah. Whether it's just to left back or if it's to the back line, you know, he may, Jason might stick him on the other side and see how he does. I mean, you know, he's coming out of NASL. So, you know, into the MSL, or MLS, maybe he uh, maybe he gives him a shot over there and 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 sees what sees what he can do, or we simply have a, a good backup, you know, uh, behind Toya. So it's either way, uh, it's a good signing. He's got professional experience. He's got plenty of time on the pitch. And like you said, I mean, gosh, he, he knocked us out uh, last season. And uh, um, well, the good thing is he can't do that again. Yeah, right. Unless he scores an own goal, so let's not let's not jinx it. Yeah, okay, it. let's not jinx it. You're right. Uh, so yeah, I think Toya is a is a, a solid MLS experienced left back who who can you know 
maybe play on the right side too. I don't know. I mean, PC if PC goes out and has a great camp, maybe he earns a, a spot, and maybe the battle is between Ramos and Toya. Um, it'll be interesting to to see. But the the thing is. I feel good about the fullback position for the first time in three years going into a season. And that's, um, that's gotta be worth something because, uh, you know, the center backs are the ones that look bad when the goals go in, but so many of those goals, uh, the were, inside, were yeah. yeah, they, they came, they either were delivered from inside or, and I know in one case, I mean, you go back to the Montreal game, uh, the game that Orlando had to have at the end of the season. And it was, a, it was just, Orlando couldn't, couldn't find a way to score with so many men behind the ball and Montreal took their one chance and scored because yep. Luke Bowden kept the guy on side. So, yeah. uh, you know, his, his, you know, and, and I don't want to dump on Luke. Luke was great, a great ambassador for this team. Uh, he, he, you can never accuse him of loafing. He played hard. Um, he certainly was, uh, a, you know, a long time lion back to the USL yep. days. Uh, my, you know, I, I am of the opinion that if you play for this team, you are part of the tapestry of this team forever. This is something that, you know, you have, you have, your place is secure in the history and annals of this team. So uh, I certainly thank Luke for his service, but, and I wanted him to be successful. Nobody wanted that more than, than I did. uh, I don't think, but I just don't ever feel like he evolved to a, into an MLS player. Yeah, and you know that's um, of course we know that he's you know he's going to be going to the Rowdies. Um, I, I agree with you. I we all wanted him to succeed. Probably no nobody more than himself. Right. Um, <laughs> and like you said, uh, there was never any doubt that his the drive and his heart and I mean he he always gave his all. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, it wasn't necessarily the to the level that we needed. Uh, for MLS and at that position, but there was never any doubt that he wasn't, you know, 100%. Right. And when I say that, uh, that I'd never, I think he never evolved into an MLS player. I mean, an MLS starter. I think he, there is a, there is room for a Luke Bowden on an MLS team as a, as a backup player that, you know, you hopefully don't have to use all that often, but he, he's so versatile. He can play in a number of places. So, uh, you know, if you, if you have a rash of injuries, suspensions and call-ups, you know, it's useful to have a guy like that around. So uh, we wish Luke good luck. And again, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about him in a few minutes. Uh, In the meantime, uh, I think an upgrade overall left back in terms of a, 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 full-fledged MLS starter and capable backup. Uh, a very exciting young backup, tw- just 22 years old as PC out of Brazil. And uh, he does require an international slot, does not have his green card, although he's been playing in the U.S. for two years. Um, maybe that's something the team can work on so that he doesn't uh, eat up a slot all year. Right, um, on the uh, P1 visa and the international transfer cer- uh, certificate. Yeah, that's that's uh, all that I mean, that'll be happening. But... Yeah, that's that, all, all that paperwork will get. It'll get cleared i'm sure but uh, oh, yeah. i mean guys have already been playing in this country for two years so i'm sure it's fine yeah uh another big piece of news today Stuart kerr is out as goalkeeper coach at orlando city he has uh gone to uh, the vancouver whitecaps and Stuart has family in canada uh wanted to be close to his family can't really blame a guy for that i don't th- i think that he did a good job um reclaiming joe bendick uh, Joe Bendick had an absolutely fantastic year. 
uh, as a shot stopper, and I think in no small part because he was comfortable working with Stuart Kerr. So the, you know, I, I think that it's there's no ever never reason to panic if you lose a goalkeeper coach, but I do think that it's important that Jason Kreis and the the technical side go out and they find uh, the right replacement, a guy that is that that uh, Joe Bendick can can be comfortable working with to um, continue his development because I think uh, Joe Bendick had a great year. Was it a perfect year? No. I mean, anytime you give up 60 goals, it's not not a perfect year. But um, so many goals he could have given up and maybe should have given up. He didn't, uh, including a couple of penalties uh, in 2016. So uh, important to get a, a quality replacement for Stuart Kerr. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, speaking of Joe, I mean, you don't win uh, MLS Save of the Week that many times without, you know, having a good year. Without a um, lot of Orlando City fans voting for you. Well, that too. Uh, but, the, I mean, they were worthy of votes. But they regardless, um, yeah, you know, Kerr obviously did did bring Joe uh, around. And my hope on that is, is um, you know, now that Joe's been here for a year, uh, he'll have, you know, he, he's now part of a team. He's now part of uh, Orlando. You know, the fans love him. He's got all that support that he didn't have when he showed up on day one. Um, and he also has that whole season under his belt, Um Plus, now he's getting a back line. And then I'm sure that they're going to go out and find uh, – they're not afraid to go find the right pieces. So I I think that they will. It's it's one of those weird, frustrating things. You know, how many keeper coaches have we gone through? This will be uh, year three in MLS and goalkeeper coach number three. Yeah. That's uh, (laughs) – that's a lot. (laughs) It, it is. Although I will say that the first goalkeeper coach is still with the organization. He's now goalkeeper coach with the pride. Well, fair enough. But yeah, it's still, I mean, it's so, you know, hopefully we can, like you say, we get somebody in who, um, you know, and I'm, I'm certain that they're going to, you know, not necessarily be asking Joe, you know, for an approval, but I'm, he's going to be involved in it, you know, in, in talking to whoever they're going to bring in because it's obviously that relationship is going to be one of the most important ones mm-hmm. uh, for that job. Um, and then, you know, we also have to, you know, bring along the backups. So it's, it's a, uh, it's an important coaching position. I'm like you, I'm confident that they'll find somebody good and I'm sure that they're, they're talking to several people already. Absolutely. And um uh, before we get to our special guest tonight, why don't we go back and, and circle back and talk a little bit about Luke Bowden. Luke is uh, going to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Now, this is, um, you know, we discussed this internally in, in our chat room at the mainland, and uh, a couple of the guys were saying, oh, yeah, Bowden will be in, M- in MLS. He'll sign with an MLS team. And I wasn't sure about that because, I again, I, I think that Luke's a quality guy quality person i think he works hard plays hard could be you know a solid backup on an mls team but i always felt like his best opportunity if he wanted to play was probably to go back to usl or Mm -hmm. you know if it survives the nasl and and, you know see what he can do and try to maybe regain some momentum some upward momentum uh with his play on the field and so i wasn't surprised that he he went with uh, an mls or usl team uh, I was surprised to see him on the other side of the I-4 Derby, as he is now a hated Tampa Bay Rowdy. But I'm still of the opinion that uh, for you know, once a lion, forever a lion. And uh, you know, what do you think of of uh, Luke possibly coming in to play OCB uh, at the brand new stadium this summer? Uh, it'll be weird and 
horrific, but at the same time, like you say, you know, I only want good things for the man. Um, he's given so much to the club. Uh, it's for him going there instead of moving halfway across the country. I mean, that's just going to be easier on him and the family and everything is it's, that's an easier transition for him to make. Uh, it's literally just down the road. Um, it'll be like, I say, it'll be odd to see that, uh, see him not in the purple, but, um, you know, it's, if it, if it can help him, uh, get his, like you said, get his momentum going again, then, okay. Uh, I just hope that it, you know, he doesn't have his best game against, you know, OCB. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's the thing about, you know, Tampa Bay. Now I, I know there's a lot of hatred for Tampa Bay, uh, among the Orlando city faithful, which is kind of odd considering they've never, they're, they're not in the same league, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, you, the one thing you can say about that team is that is a team with ambition. That is a team that has its sights securely set on becoming an MLS club. Uh, they have done everything they could in their power uh, to this point to get their, you know, get their hat in the ring, you know, throw their hat in the ring and, and become one of those teams vying for expansion. And I know that they have a, a stadium plan. I know that they have talked to, uh, they've reached out to David Beckham to say, hey, you know, it's not happening in Miami. Why not, you know, throw in your lot with us and we can combine right. forces and that kind of thing, which seems like a really good idea, actually. It, it would be a great idea. Now, whether or not Beckham goes for it or not, I don't know. I, he he seems like a, he, uh, I hate to say it, he seems like a Miami kind of guy or an L.A. kind of guy. So I don't know that how much he'll enjoy Tampa Bay, but uh, but it would be a smart business decision for him. It, it would, and you know, I, I know that the league wants to be in Miami, but honestly, if unless you're down there throwing a lot of cash around and greasing the right palms, you're never going to get your stadium deal down there, because no. that's just that's just the way that town runs. And if it ain't been done by now, how's he ever going to get it done? I mean, how long has it t- has it been? It's been a good couple years, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's let's put it this way: How many expansion teams have actually <laughs> gone through? Since he made his announcement. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, my my earlier thought a few weeks back was maybe he eventually switches gears and maybe tries Las Vegas because he seems like he could be a Las Vegas kind of guy. He, he could um, be a Las Vegas kind of guy. Yeah. But, you know, this thing just makes it, it, it will never happen because it makes too much sense. It's just up the road from Miami. Tampa's, you know, is is a fine town and. Is it really? I don't know how much different really it is. I mean, obviously, it doesn't have it doesn't have the South Beach. It doesn't have the you know the the you know the the glitz and glamour maybe of, of Miami, but it's it's still solid. It's a it's a it's a city that would support the team. Um, they have an ambitious owner. Uh, I, I know some people have laughed at the stadium design, but I actually think that's a really cool stadium design. It would be unique and something that we've never seen before, and it's right on the water. Um, but, uh, you know, it just makes too much sense for him to say, OK, I'm not getting any traction in Miami. Here's a guy with the plan for a stadium. Maybe we throw our weight this way and, and get into MLS that way and in Tampa. And maybe that happens now, whether or not the league wants that, whether or not, you know, Orlando City would fight against having a team just uh, 80, 90 minutes up the road. Um, 
that remains to be seen. But I think it was an interesting idea. And certainly if Luke's going to go to a USL team, um, it makes sense to go to a, a, a team that may make the jump to MLS in a few years because if he can stick it out, you know, maybe he'll be back in the league. Uh, very true. And, and you know, he's going to bring all the, that effort, uh, that 100% that we talked about, he's going to bring that to them. Not, you know, he's going to play hard for whoever he plays for. That's just in his nature. So, I mean, for them, that's a great signing. I expect at least a yellow card the first time he comes to Orlando. <laughs> on who <laughs> yeah uh, on Bowden. i think Bowden picks up a yellow the first time they come back all right he's got a little right. bit of, he's got a little bit of a temper sometimes so um <laughs> so anyway yeah good uh, good luck to luke Bowden, and uh and you know it's not official signing as of the last i checked but uh certainly uh paul tenorio is saying he's he's his sources say that it's happening uh, which his source is probably Luke, um, and it probably probably is happening. So uh, good luck to, to Luke, and uh, we will see you when you come here to play Orlando City B uh, in the new downtown soccer stadium, which, according to Alicia Del Gallo, should have a, a brand-new name fairly soon. So uh, we're hopeful that we'll see that in the near future uh, before the season starts as well. Um, so without further ado, I think it's time to get to our guest, we, uh, we have a very special one uh, this week, and uh, I'm excited, so let's get to it. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast here in January, uh, we're very, very pleased to have Jason Christ, the head coach of Orlando City, with us. Jason, thanks for being on the Mainland Podcast. You're very welcome, guys. Thanks for having me. So I want to dive right in. I know that the off season is is you know for fans it's a down downtime. There's no games to watch. There's no no preparation. But for you, it's got to be just as busy as the as during the season. I know you've been doing a lot of traveling. Can you maybe tell us where you've been in the world other than uh, obviously your stop in Brazil? <laughs> yeah, incredibly busy for coaches, uh, and something that you don't think about even when you're playing professionally you think that the coaches have a nice big off season like you do as a player <laughs> uh, but not so at all um, really since the season finished I think a week after the season finished I've been traveling uh, I spent 15 days in South America in five different countries went from Brazil to Paraguay to Peru to Ecuador and to Argentina came back and a week later I was on a flight to Europe and went from England to Switzerland, back to England, and then ended up in France. And, and then since then, I've, I've been at home, but but obviously very, very busy with continuing the process of trying to recruit and find new players. That does sound like a busy trip, um, you know, kind of going along with that, um, you know, finding new players. We've got the draft coming up. I'm curious what you think you're going to be able to do since we don't have any first or second rounds, just third and fourth round. Um any, any thoughts or plans on that? Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, can't say that I've ever been to a draft or in an off season or going into a combine where I didn't have a first or second round pick. Um, and so that's, that's obviously a little disappointing because you're always going to kind of go there excited about what you might find. Um, but I also had enough experience to know that, that you can still find something in third and fourth round. Um, there's certainly gems to be had and we're going to do our work and hopefully the right person will be available or persons will be available in the third and fourth round for us. Now, Jason, you know, you came in obviously in the middle of the summer and, um, 
you had a, a period of time to not only evaluate the players to try some different combinations on the field. What did you learn about the team that you took over in, in terms of what you have to do to prepare it for a, a playoff run in 2017? I think the biggest thing I learned was a couple of things. I really think that um, I learned that there's some very talented players here. I learned that the character of the group was better than I thought I would be from looking from the outside and more together. Um, and I learned that... Um, that there's there's some weaknesses that I I don't know that I learned so much because I thought they were there before we came in, uh, and so we try to we try to address the weaknesses, we try to strengthen the strength, and we try to continue to bring the group even closer together, um, so that we so that we can we can hopefully end up with better results this year. But but then at the end of the day, it was still a team that was very very close to getting where this club wants to go, and so I don't think that it's it's a situation where it needs a catastrophic or major overhaul. I think it's tweaking around the edges of what's already here. Gotcha. Uh, speaking of tweaking, um, of course, uh, recently added uh, PC, and I uh, was curious what it was that you saw in him. What was it that made you say, yeah, that's a guy that we want? Uh, and where do you see him fitting? How are we going to end up using him? Well, for, our, for he'll play outside back. He'll be in contention to play left back. Um, and for us, we want left backs that get forward, get involved into the attack quite often, uh, and can and can do things from there. Uh, and so they need to have the athletic capability, the aerobic capability to get up and down the field. Uh, and then we need them to be able to, to defend 1v1. Uh, and he's a young player, and I think that's probably the area of his game that needs the most work. Um, but he's got 75% of what we're looking for, and we believe that we can work with the last 25 to develop it. And he's a young player that's exciting, so really, really happy to have been able to add him. Yeah, he uh, he looked like, to me, one of the best players on the pitch when uh, when Fort Lauderdale came to, to the Citrus Bowl or Camping World Stadium for the U.S. Open Cup game. Um, you also added somebody you're very familiar with from your past, Will Johnson. Um, you know, talk about... Can you maybe tell us a little bit of what your thought is in bringing Will in, and is this an indication of what type of shape you might run this year? Um, I don't think that sort of signing of Will should be an indication of the shape or the tactics, but from, from my point of view, the, the, the brightest thing about adding like a player like Will Johnson is you're getting a veteran, experienced MLS player that has been through the thicks and thins of a lot of different teams. And every team he has been a part of has been a winner. Uh, and so I think it's important to, to be looking for players that have that type of experience, that have that type of competitive mentality, and have been able to win uh, with every team they've been in. Excellent. Uh, I might be reaching a little bit with this one, uh, but um, you know, rumors surrounding Certic, uh care to have any comment on that one tonight? No, you know, I think it's it's interesting the rumors that that fly around MLS teams in every every off season, and some of them are a little closer than others. Um, but as a club, from a club's point of view, we can never we can never comment on those rumors because we need to do the work behind the scenes to get deals done. Uh, and so for me, absolutely, I can't comment. Fair enough. <laughs> um, Jason, what? How much business would you say still remains to be done uh, from the club's perspective before um, opening day in March? 
I think very little, actually. I probably would say that of, of all of the years that I've been involved in this league at this moment, I would say that this, this club is probably has the least amount of business left to do before the preseason starts. Uh, and I feel very good about that, and I think that has a lot to do with how much work we did you know, from day one that the season finished. Literally none of the coaches had any vacation until right at Christmas time. So we did a lot of work along with, uh, with Nikki and Omar, the head scout, Nikki, the GM, um, we've worked very hard to to try to get all these things all these things taken care of. There's still, I think maybe one, possibly two small details that still need to be hammered out. That I wish they wish they still still weren't lingering, but I feel like they're going to be settled in the next week or so. Uh, Mike, I don't know about you. That's about all I've got for him. <laughs> well, I definitely have more questions for Jason. Jason, I um, I would definitely be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, today's announcement um, as we're recording this uh, that Stuart Kerr is no longer with the Orlando City and has gone to the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, what kind of of um, you know sort of lead time did you have on that, and, and how close are you to finding a replacement for Stuart? Well, when I said that there was one or two things left to be handled, that is one of them. Um, and that caught us uh, a bit by surprise. We had, you know, we had worked to, to get a new deal with Stuart in the early part of December uh, and felt like we were heading into the, the holiday season with the staff really in a great place. And I felt very comfortable with him and with Bobby Murphy as well. Uh, and so I was deeply saddened to, to learn that he had interest in, in going to Vancouver for his family, that situation is much better. He has a wife that works in Canada, and that would have been very difficult for her to come down here um, and work, to find work, and to get all the paperwork done that, that goes along with that. And a daughter that was uh, a teenage daughter that was in Canada and liked, enjoyed being there as well. Uh, and so from a family perspective, it was, it was a move that he was seeking. Um, and we are family people. Um, this is a club that has been clearly defined to me as family first. I'm that type of guy as well. Uh, and so was never going to stand in his way to take that kind of opportunity, which is great for him, but, but not great for us because now we need to, we need to scramble um, to find somebody to replace him. But we've already spoken to quite a few candidates and we think we've got some really, really interesting ones um, that should help us moving forward as well. Uh, speaking of, of things that maybe caught people off guard this off season, obviously uh, Phil, Phil Rollins uh, stepping away from day-to-day duties with the club and is going to be the, the life president. Um, I think there was a lot of angst in the community in terms of the, the fan base, but it's really not going to affect too much the day-to-day operations of the club, is it? No, it's not. And, you know, that um, I've talked to Phil many, many times. I can tell you without hesitation that he was a big, big reason. Uh, him and Kay were a big, big reason that my wife and I decided to take this opportunity. Um, and, and I believe in my heart what he's told me, that he's still going to be very, very involved here, going to continue to be a board member, going to be helping from, from a little bit more of a distance, um, isn't going to be as involved in the day-to-day things. But to be, to be frank, a lot of the day-to-day things are handled between myself and Nikki and the coaching staff. So I don't think that the landscape really changes much for Orlando City. Uh, and I'm, I'm quite happy that he's going to be staying on in, in a very big capacity. All right, Jason, before we let you go, just one last question I have for you. Uh, I just wanted to, to get a sense of, you know, how many uh, preseason games do the fans, uh, do you think the fans can look forward to uh, in the run-up to the third MLS season for Orlando City? I think we're looking at six right now. I, you know, I wish that I had my notes in front of me, but I know it's either five or six. Uh, the sixth one might be the interest squad game that we'll do after the first week in Jacksonville. 
Um, that might be why I'm saying six. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Jason Kreis, head coach of Orlando City, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Mainland Podcast, and uh, certainly the best of luck to you and your team this season. Thanks, guys, and thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Wow, the January edition of uh, the Mainland Podcast, episode number 73, I believe I said it was, uh, is just about just about over with. But before we get out of here, just a few more things we want to discuss. Uh, we do want to thank Jason Christ for being with us uh, here on our show. Uh, we completed the hat trick. We got all three Orlando City uh, club coaches or team coaches uh, within the last year. We had Anthony Poulos from OCB. We had Tom Sermani from the Pride twice. And uh, now we have Jason Christ. We complete our hat trick, and I'm I'm pretty happy about that because I'm I'm kind of uh, obsessed, a little bit of OCD, so I had to have the whole set. I had to collect <laughs> collect the whole set there. So thanks to Jason for taking time out of what was I'm sure a very busy uh, season. In fact, it sounded like he was out there scouting youth players while we were talking to him. Um, yeah, it, it was like he was looking for the uh, the ones that were going to be there in 2030. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like he was at a youth youth soccer game or something. Anyway. Um, so there's a super draft coming up next week and Orlando city doesn't have a first or second round pick as of now. Now, of course that could always change because Orlando city does have several midfield players, uh, and, and a defender that make quite a bit of money. Uh, it's absolutely within the realm of possibility that they are shopping one of those players to get maybe a first round pick. Um, I don't know whether or not they can pull that off. It certainly depends on how teams value the draft. I know some teams value it different than the others. Um, we heard Jason talk about how he's never been in a situation where he didn't have a first two-round pick um, or first pick in the first two rounds. And, and you know, you you look at a guy like Breck Shea, who makes a lot of money. Uh, you look at a guy like David Mateos, who makes a lot of money. And you think, could you maybe ship one of them off for a first and one of them off for a second uh, if they're not in the, in the long-term plans? Uh, we don't know that they're not, but uh, certainly it would seem that if he keeps the 4-2-3-1, it would almost seem likely, I would think, that Kaká is going to start. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's kind of likely that Matias Perez-Garcia is going to start based on what we saw. Brought him in specifically. Yeah, yeah and, and probably Kevin Molino is going to start. So where does that leave us with Breck Shea? Uh, can you pay half a million dollars in MLS to a backup player, that, a bench player that comes off and, and maybe he plays when guys are suspended or hurt? Maybe he plays, uh, comes on in the 65th minute for, for MPG. Um, can you give a guy like that half a million bucks? One would hope not. Um, you know, I like Breck a lot and uh he's had some very exciting moments for orlando city but and and he's pretty versatile but as we've discussed i mean left back is now one of our positions that might be deep um so and that whole experiment experiment with uh breck being on left back has been over for a while anyway mm -hmm. uh and then like you say with up, up top with uh molino and and perez garcia i don't see the fact that we didn't see him a lot tells me that uh, I don't think we'll see him a lot. And so that would be one of those ones that, I, you know, I think you do shop Breck Shea. I mean, he's he's still he's a skillful player. He's, you know, tall. If somebody's able to use him up front, then, you know, you've got a 
he can deliver balls and you know he can as lanky as he is he can he can get upfield so that uh, that would be a good one for us to try and get a higher pick yeah I mean I think there might be some type of a a market for him if you, if you could maybe pull a, f- a first round pick if you uh, for Breck Shea if you agree to maybe pay some of his salary keep some of the salary on your books I think that that's a, a deal that could be made um, yeah. Mateos is a guy who, who could be back. Uh, we have heard from Paul Tenorio or Paul Tenorio has said his sources tell him that Mateos is a guy who, who probably won't be back, but, um, uh, he made $400,000. Uh, we've got a rumored uh, signing from the, from league one, uh, coming on. If he comes on and aha is obviously in the plans, if he, you know, because he signed a multi-year deal, uh, Mateos doesn't all of a sudden have a starting spot. Uh, he makes again, too much money to sit him on the bench. So, you know, maybe you can get a second round pick again if you agree to pick up a portion of his salary or maybe eat his international slot or something. You know, it's the the team's going to have to get creative because I think they made some some deals that they they don't feel good about now two years down the road or a year and a half down the road uh, in Mateos's case. So, uh, you know, these are some situations where they could trade and get into that top part of the draft. But here's the thing. I mean, people will say, yeah, last year. The only people left from last year basically are, are Haji Berry and Richie Larea. Uh, Berry got a bit about about a cup of coffee with the senior team, and Larea basically was playing 55, 65 minutes for OCB a night. Right. Um, that's not a great return from that draft. Uh, you go back to the draft before that, and you say, okay, well Kyle Aaron was a no-brainer. We had the number one overall pick. He, you know, he's a stud. That's a no-brainer. You take him. That's sure. that's just the luck of having that pick in a good year. Um, right. But you still have Connor Donovan on the team. You still have um, Earl Edwards Jr. on the team. So there's still pieces from that draft later on in that draft that are on the team. So it's not a foregone conclusion that they're not going to get anybody good in the super draft just because they only have a third and fourth round pick. Well, and, and, you know, Jason mentioned that, you know, he said that there's gems to be found all over the place. So, you know, if, if we don't end up trading up, maybe we do find somebody in the third or fourth that, uh, you know, is that, is that guy that, that is the, the right piece doesn't have to be necessarily superstar, but maybe it fits the system well and, and is able to be developed. Absolutely. All right. Now the pride also don't have a first round pick. Are you look, are you more looking forward to the MLS draft or the NWSL draft? Um, uh, NWSL. I mean, you know, just with the, the third and fourth in the MLS and, and unless something like we've been talking about, unless something happens, you know, moves are made. Um, it'll be interesting, but I, I still think the, uh, the, the size and the, and the scope, relatively speaking, uh, for the pride is going to be more interesting, especially since it's, you know, it's only going to be, you know, the second year. And so it's, there's additional pieces, especially with, um, you know, Alex going to Lyon. Um, I, I, there's just, I think there's more moving pieces in regards to the draft that, that would be, uh, impactful. Yeah. I mean, and obviously in the women's game, the college draft turns out a lot more useful players, than it does in the men's game. The men's game, there's a, you know, there's the whole homegrown system. There's, you know, player foreign players are more prevalent. It's, um, you know, there are other mechanisms that seem to be, um, you know, more important in terms of developing 
you know players for the the league. NWSL doesn't quite have that, although there you know there are several uh, teams that have women's academies, uh, so maybe that'll change down the road. But right now, the players coming out of college are are you know a lot more ready to step into the women's game than they are in the men's game. In fact, uh, Orlando Pride had three picks last year, all three still with the team. In fact, one of them, Sam Witteman, was uh, just called up to the U.S. U23 team, uh, mm-hmm. made, their, made their January camp. And uh, that's a great segue for what we're talking about next because the Pride have four, count them, four players in Jill Ellis's U.S. Women's National Team camp this January. Of course, Alex Morgan, who is sort of a semi-pride player now and a semi-Olympic Lyonnais uh, player. Um, and a semi-U.S. Women's National Team. She's right. only going to be uh, there from the 16th to the 24th, I think. Right. So She's only uh, going to be let out. FIFA, of, yeah. yeah, Leon's only letting her out for the FIFA part of that window, uh, which is, you know, okay, whatever. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's it's not like Jill doesn't know what she can do by now. Um, but then, of course, Allie Krieger, the newest pride defender, uh, yep. has been, uh, well, not not the newest. We actually have had an assigning since that. But, um, yes, uh, Allie Krieger, uh, the newest U.S. defender for Orlando City. Ashlyn Harris, of course. And uh, good for Kristen Edmonds, her second uh, call-up to the U.S. women's national team. Hopefully she'll get a game uh, before she's all said and done. We'd really like to see Kristen Edmonds get a cap. She's worked really hard at developing her game over the last year. Indeed. And, and, you know, like you said, good for her for you know getting that call up. And uh, if she can get that cap, um, you know, just that experience of, of playing, you know, with uh, the women's national team. I mean, obviously we were talking about some of the, the best players um, uh, with, you know, one of the uh, better coaches and, and just being international and, and playing that game uh, will, you know, help when she comes back to the pride. Absolutely. So um, we're just actually a couple of weeks now from Orlando City's preseason. And then shortly thereafter, you know, it'll be the, the Pride and OCB will start, you know, their preseason. Or the OC, OCB players will kind of more or less be playing with Orlando City's players in the preseason uh, as they did last year. Uh, so, you know, it's January. It feels like we've been out of the game forever because there are no Orlando City games since November. But. Soccer is close, Dave. Soccer, Orlando City soccer is very close to returning. And I couldn't be happier about that. Uh, you know, it's one of the, uh, my background on my phone is still Orlando City. And, you know, it's, I'm reminded of it every day. As you should be, because you write for a blog that <laughs> puts up stories every single day. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, it's, We've just had the you know New Year's Day, and already you know next week got a couple of drafts. You know we're you know I'm sure we'll see another signing, maybe two before the season starts. We'll have preseason games to talk about. Florida Cup is coming up. We're going to be covering that, so I'm very excited about that. We we've got uh, we've got our traveling reporter Gavin Eubank going over to St. Petersburg for a doubleheader. I'll be at a couple games out at uh, Disney Wide World of Sports and at UCF covering those. Uh, Austin, our uh, our own Austin. Uh, David is going to the draft and the NWSL drafts, going to MLS and NWSL drafts to cover those, which 
<laughs> he might not have a lot to do with the MLS draft because they only do the first two rounds and then the other two rounds are by conference call. So um, hopefully the team will trade up and get a, get a pick so that uh, Austin can interview him while he's out there. And I'm sure he'll probably do some other stories. He'll probably talk to Adrian Heath while he's out there. Maybe some, uh, maybe uh, Nikki Budalich and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the stories are. Uh, coming out of the combine and into the draft, so it'll be it'll be interesting. We'll have some new players, uh, you know, next week to talk about, so that's good. Yep. Uh, when we come back for our February podcast, uh, our off season, obviously we go with the monthly schedule. But when we come back in February, we should have some more players to talk about on for both the men's and women's team, and uh, all of that is uh, is big news. And of course, you know, by that time we'll know exactly when and where the preseason games are that Jason talked about. I was I was hoping to get a little more out of him than just the number. I was hoping maybe he would say, yeah, we're going to play at the at the new stadium here, and then we're going to be at uh, you know Sylvan Lake uh, training facility there, and then you know a road game there, whatever. Um, but you know, he's well. Playing. To be fair, he was watching the game. Yeah, that's right. He was watching. He was watching someone play. He was out yeah. scout, scouting somebody. Uh, <laughs> so that's just about it for podcast episode number seventy-three. Before we go, Dave, what was your best Christmas gift? I got a hammock. Oh, nice. I know, right? That is Some really other... a great gift. Knowing you like I do, that is like the perfect gift. It, it, yeah, I mean, a hammock and a beer. I'm good. Yeah, you you are definitely the hammock and beer kind of guy. Exactly. No question. What about you? Uh, I got a lot of uh, a lot of good gifts. Um, I'm a big uh, music guy, so all and movie guy. So like, I got some DVDs and I got some books that I'm very excited about. I'm reading uh, Bruce Springsteen's autobiography right now, and nice. uh, also got Phil Collins' memoir as well for the uh, for the for Christmas. And then I got a bunch of superhero movies. I got the um, the latest uh, Captain America and the Suicide Squad and the latest X Men. So I got I got a bunch of bunch of uh, superhero movies to go watch. That was a good Christmas. Yeah, I think I did pretty well. And then I think because um, you know I'm 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 not in the greatest shape. I also got a Fitbit, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I have to say is has been pretty cool because I'm like like I said earlier I'm a little OCD so I like look at the oh how many steps did I take oh I got to take more steps than that. Um, you gotta beat, That's yeah, excellent. Yeah, I gotta beat my day yesterday. I gotta beat my all-time high and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's it's doing its job. So I had a good Christmas. So I'm glad you did as well. And Absolutely. Uh, so maybe you'll bring that uh, hammock down from Tallahassee and set it up at the the tailgate uh, sometime at the new stadium this year. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> all right. So episode 73 in the books. Again, we want to definitely thank. Uh, Jason Kreiss for uh, being with us, head coach of Orlando City, of course, and uh, taking time out of his schedule to be our guest. Uh, big thanks to the Orlando City communications staff, especially Jackie Ramos and, and Rafa Cabrera for helping uh, facilitate that interview. And uh, we will be back uh, next month with our February edition of the Mainland Podcast. And uh, until then, for David Rowe, I am Michael Citro signing off, as always, by saying, Go City!